You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Blake Sullivan. Welcome. This is the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni, the fantasy professor, and I am excited for today's show, folks. So... You know, we have Elliot Chris on the show, so another big guy in DFS, um, obviously. And, you know, we're going to get to uh, to him a little bit later. We're going to talk uh, some of his guys. We're going to talk some preseason. Uh, actually, we're going to get into some of these matchups for the preseason, talk a little bit of DFS, uh, because believe it or not, Elliot just wrote over 5,000 words on the preseason week two of the NFL preseason coming up. So there's a lot of value to be had, obviously, you know, with different players that aren't going to be playing. Uh, you just look at the depth charts and kind of see, all right, well, who's going to get the majority of the snaps this week? So it's kind of fun, you know, when you look at it that way, a lot of these, you know, scrubs, so to speak, that are going to be playing in the preseason. But look, hey, there's money to be had. And, you know, if these guys are just, you know, out there and you believe in them, you know, um, they could really win you some money. So we have Elliot Chris on the show. Uh, he is the director over at TQE. That is the Quantum Edge. What is going on, Elliot? How's it going, guys? It's uh, football's back, right? I think tomorrow night we got 11 games, and it's still preseason, and we're just still going to see bums, but there's going to be football, and it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I mean, there's still money to be had, even with the bums out on the field. So I think you know that more than anyone. Uh, but before we get into like the preseason stuff, because we actually are going to talk a little bit preseason, this is a first ever on the hot take. Uh, we're going to talk some preseason football. But just uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about TQE and uh, what you guys have for them this season? Absolutely. So, you know, like you mentioned, we have preseason coverage. I just finished writing up a preseason research primer that's 5,200 words uh, for Thursday's slate. And tomorrow I'll come out with all my top plays. You know, going into the season, we'll have 24 to 25 pieces of content a week. We'll have dynamic rankings. We'll have weekly matchups, optimizers, uh, injury tool, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, head-to-head comparison, heat maps, uh, premium membership chat. You know, we, we try to make sure that any, any need you have, if you want to do your own research, if you need help, uh, if you want to ask experts, if you want to kind of join a community, you will have that uh, opportunity. So... Uh, you can check that out at thequantedge.com. And if you use promo code POWERHOUR, you'll get $25 off your first month subscription. Or sorry, $25 off your season-long subscription. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, in the TQE, they got some uh, good guys over there besides Elliot. Joe Pizapia is part of the team, Chris Meany, a couple of former uh, guests on the show. So, uh, yeah, go over and, uh, and check out uh, what they got. They have a lot of cool tools over there, too, uh, if, you, if you join that. Uh, over there so they got a lot of cool like injury impact tools uh, wide receiver cornerback coverage uh, some really cool uh, deep analysis over there at TQE um, cool so Elliot let's talk a little uh, preseason here um, like that's kind of you know odd to say but I just want you to kind of talk about like what are a couple smash games for DFS like what are a couple of the games you're attacking yeah, I mean, I think what you're really looking for whenever you start breaking down all this preseason stuff is who's going to play, you know? And it sounds simple, but it's it's not easy to figure out. You're trying to figure out, you know, we got roster size of 90 people. Most of these teams have four quarterbacks, like seven or eight running backs, 12 or 13 wide receivers, and six tight ends. So the first thing is to look at the depth charts, and the other thing you want to look at is who's doing well in practice, who's going to miss these games. 
it's kind of like an NBA slate where the news is changing legitimately. You know, within every 10 minutes, you're finding out new guys that are scratched. I remember last year, Chris Herndon was in the ultimate spot. All the beat writers talked about he was going to play three quarters and the Jets wanted to feature him. And then he didn't show up to the game. Uh, so, what so, on earth? That is frustrating. But tomorrow's top prize is, you know, $50,000. You know, there's there's high stakes. There's a lot of money to be made, like you mentioned, tomorrow. Um, so a couple guys I really like, uh, Joe Webb of the Texans. You know, A.J. McCarron just broke his uh, hand or his whatever happened to his hand. He's out for the preseason. They signed uh, the quarterback at Ole Miss today, but I'd be shocked if he plays much. You know, I, I really like Tyree Jackson, the quarterback from the Bills. A couple running backs I like. Uh, Bo Scarborough is like the only running back available in Seattle. You know, Carson won't play. Penny will barely play. McKissick is most likely out. C.J. Proceis is injured again. Travis Homer is injured. Like, they're, they're out of players, and that's a situation that you want to monitor. You know, Green Bay is really low on running backs. Um, there are obviously receivers as well that a couple guys that I'm interested in are Javon Wims, uh, Brandon Powell. At the tight end position, it's – Honestly, if your guy at tight end catches like two or three passes, you have the best tight end of the week. So the <laughs> tight end position is a complete punt. You want to really look at low low end depth charts. You can look at the Bills and the Browns. And, you know, when I if I'm going at the defensive position, the thing I'm all about is how bad are the other team's quarterbacks. And that's, that's what I'm really looking to attack. So a team like the Jets, while I don't think their defense is anything special, you're, that's not really what you're looking for as much. I'm just looking at the fact that Daniel Jones I don't really believe in and Kyle Lalletta is, is pretty terrible. So, you know, I think they, they have an opportunity to make some mistakes and attack rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, so a, a player I'm really excited about, uh, not necessarily for immediate impact as far as redraft, uh, is Preston Williams of the Dolphins. Is he somebody that is on your radar or because the Dolphins have so many receivers, is, are you kind of going somewhere else where it's more clear? No, actually, one thing I've been reading a lot about is the fact that Josh Rosen continues to pepper him with targets. So it's the situation where if Rosen wins that starting job at some point, you know, and he can get on the field, you know, that backup connection is a very real thing. And, you know, he's free everywhere. Obviously. I mean, he's, he's going to be very low-owned in preseason DFS tomorrow as well. So I, I like that call a lot. Is, is Rosen going to be playing a good bit uh, this week? Um, so... <laughs> One of the things that's really difficult about preseason is the fact that we don't know that many people's playing times until tomorrow. So there's a ton of adjustment that'll happen, uh, which is why I put out that whole research stuff and all the camp notes and injuries on all these different teams. But tomorrow it could look completely different. So I would anticipate him playing a quarter and a half or two, um, but it, I, I'm not going to you know, stake my rec reputation on it. There's still a lot to find out. So speaking of preseason here, you're talking about playing time. Uh, it's not necessarily a preseason game, but some news coming out of San Francisco with Jarek McKinnon coming back to the team. You've got Matt Breida and you still got Tevin Coleman there. Uh, who do you like in that backfield? And are you going to take any of those guys? Or are you scared that they're all just going to get a little bit of time? Or is there one clear guy for you? Uh, I mean, if McKinnon gets cut, then I think it really helps Coleman. Um, I personally am guessing that they're not going to cut McKinnon and they're going to try to get something out of their investment. So at that point, I would probably go Matt Breida because anytime there's that crowded of a backfield, I always just tend to lean towards the cheapest guy. Now, if I can get Breida in the 14th compared to Coleman in the 6th, I know Coleman will outscore Breida, 
Uh, it's just I don't I don't get all that excited about a running back going in the sixth round. That's going to split snaps three ways. Yeah, I hear that. I'm kind of leaning more towards Tevin Coleman more than I have uh, this entire offseason just because I feel as if McKinnon – isn't really going to be a part of the game plan when it's all said and done. Like I, like I said, I don't think I agree with you. I don't think they're going to cut him, but I think it's going to be Coleman and Brita. One thing that I read coming out of 49ers camp was that they're only going to have three guys on any given week at the running back position uh, active. And one of those guys is actually Roheem Moster because he's so valuable to that team on special teams. So it's going to be interesting. Like how I don't know if they're going to actually bring on all three Coleman, Burita, McKinnon every week. I don't know how that's going to play out. But I, I'd be shocked if McKinnon – I think McKinnon either gets cut or dresses. I don't see him just hanging out on the sidelines with the money there they could potentially be on the hook for with him. Agreed. So it would it, – it, under, you know, that sort of logic, you know, if those reports were correct – then the odd man out would most likely be Burita. But I am with you, Elliot, that, look, when you look at this uh, backfield, and I've said it before on this show, you kind of look at them as like a tier of their own. And any tier, any time you're drafting tiers, you kind of want that cheaper option. So Matt Burita, really good value right now. He had a good season last year when he was healthy. Put up over 800 yards. He obviously didn't get into the end zone and didn't catch as many balls as you'd like. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, Tevin Coleman does have some value. He probably will be the leader in uh, fantasy points here, but uh, maybe that sixth round might be a little too expensive. How are you feeling, Blake? Like when you look at this backfield, are you just kind of staying away or are you investing in it? You know, it's kind of tough. And I think it really depends on each draft that you're in. You know, we talk about this all the time. You might get in there and there's a lot of guys that are in the same boat as you. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to take Tevin Coleman in the sixth round. Uh, you know, maybe he starts falling. He goes in like seventh or the eighth. Right. I start considering it because uh, I feel like with Tevin Coleman, you're going to get a safe floor. He's one of the guys – I think he's the guy that's guaranteed to have a role in that team. They don't just go out and get Tevin Coleman if they're not planning on using him. Uh, and I think Jarek McKinnon is going to dress and get time, but I don't think that he's going to totally take Tevin Coleman's spot away. I don't. I don't see that happening at all. But – when you're looking at getting McKinnon at the 10 11 uh, as fantasy football calculator has him right now, there's a lot better value there when you can spend your sixth round, your, you spend your sixth round pick getting, you know, Kenyon Drake or going wide receiver or getting Baker Mayfield or some of these quarterbacks that are coming down into the sixth round, even though I'm not a quarterback early guy, I might like the value better there uh, on some of those guys than I would with getting Tevin Coleman that early. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these players around the t- 10th round. I mean, I don't know what Deontay Foreman is even there. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of like a wasted pick uh, if you're going that route. Uh, when you could get, you know, like Carlos Hyde, uh, who, you know, obviously has, you know, a bigger opportunity if uh, anything were to happen than Damian Williams. Um, so, yeah, I think we kind of figured it out with this backfield. It's like, you know, you, there is value to be had. I mean, Kyle Shanahan brought in his guy, Tevin Coleman, right? He's going to use him, and he knows how to use him well. Um, you know, any there's value to be had in the Kyle Shanahan offense when it comes to the running back position. So we really can't just be like, ah, oh, nah, I'm staying away from the 49ers backfield. You really got to pay attention in your drafts, like you say, Blake, uh, because look, there's value to be had. Kyle Shanahan running backs put up fantasy points. Um, a couple of years ago, 2017, Carlos Hyde was running back 10 
Um, he was just peppered with targets. He got a lot of volume. Um, so, look, yeah, one injury um, could, could really open up some things for one of these guys. Um, let's talk about another running back, and I think there are touches a lot clearer for, for this guy. And that's on Johnson. So we know that Theo Riddick was cut. Everyone was kind of waiting on that. And now that on has path to a lot of targets. So, Elliot, I want you to just talk to us here. Should we pump the brakes on on and that rising ADP? Because he's going to be, you know, potentially back in the second round after these preseason games. He could be in the back of the second round. He's early third round right now. Are you buying him at that ADP? I really preferred him, you know, the the late third, early fourth, where I was getting him a month ago because there's a lot of talk that Theo Riddick might get cut. But like Ty Johnson, though, I don't necessarily think he's he's not going to take the full Theo Riddick role by any means. You know, a couple concerns is, you know, what what are going to what's going to be the goal line situation for Detroit? Because last year it was Legarrette Blunt, and Blunt historically was a good goal line back, but the last couple of years he's been historically inefficient, and you know, if that's C.J. Anderson's role, that's going to hurt them. And then I guess the other question is, while they might want to be a run-heavy team, how good do we think the Lions are going to be? They want to, they're probably going to be a slow-paced team. Uh, if they get behind, is it going to impact on Johnson? I think that the third round is safe. But if he gets in the second round and I have to choose him um, over, you know, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, or any of those guys, I, I think that he's he's behind those guys. So, you know, I got some exposure to him early. I, just, I always have a rule of thumb that I don't want to chase a guy crazy up ADP, especially for, like, I get why he's rising, but I think it, it's not, it shouldn't be a shock that Theo Riddick was cut. There's been talks all offseason about it. Yeah, agreed. I think there were people that were, like, taking credit for it. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm some sort of, like, you know, like, I can predict the future because they th- cut Theo Riddick. Like, man, we saw that coming for months. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but with carry-on, it's like what I really like in him is the, the receptions, obviously, because without Theo Riddick, you have to predict that he's going to have more or at a better pace than last year. So he had 32 last year in 10 games. Um, I really could see a situation where carry-on gets close to that 60 reception mark. And then you're talking like, okay, he could return value in that late second round. But I do lean with you, Elliot, and this is just, like, good advice in general. Like, don't chase a player. Um, you really have to, like, change your mind and, like, change that, that kind of thinking. You can love a player all you want all offseason, but if one thing changes and his ADP rises too much, you got to get off of it. You can't just stick with your guns and be like, no, I, I'm with this player because it, it could just end up bad for you. Uh, Elliot, carry on or Damian Williams, straight up? Damian Williams. Okay. I uh, Damian Williams has the most valuable spot in the NFL. Yes. Um, and I, I know you guys were talking a little bit about Carlos Hyde. Um, his hamstring, you know, he's back on uh, – I, I know today he – Carlos Hyde was ahead of him on the depth chart and, and running a little bit more, but that's expected on your first day back. You know, Andy Reid all offseason talked about he earned the reps. Uh, could Carlos Hyde be fantasy relevant? Absolutely. Whoever plays running back for the Chiefs will be fantasy relevant. Um, if Damian Williams does get 70-plus percent of the snaps with his receiving ability, his speed, he's going to be, you know, a, a game-breaking back in this league because that offense is going to score so many points. And who's ever back there, the team's not going to worry about the run game. So um, I I really like buying Damian Williams on a dip, and I'm willing to, you know, bet that he gets that role. 
And if he does and he goes in the third round, he's going to be uh, one of those guys that's really tough to beat. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely two sides of the coin. We could look back at this season and be like, wow, Damian Williams was a bust in that second round. Or we could be like, man, because he could easily be like next year if he just balls out this year, which he could do in this situation, he's going to be a first-round pick next year. There's no question about it. Like um, if, if we said that, that guaranteed right now, uh, Damian Williams gets 75% of snaps for the Kansas City Chiefs, no matter what, right? He's probably a first-round pick. Right. No doubt. No doubt. He's got ceiling built into his cost. Yeah. I mean, that's where Kareem Hunt was. You know, we knew or we thought we knew the workload that Kareem Hunt was going to have and he would have uh, if he didn't get suspended. So, uh, you know, he was going in the back of the first round. So this that's now we're kind of getting that discount. If you look at it that way, uh, that you're getting that round discount uh, compared to that late first round pick that you had to pay for Kareem Hunt. Now you're getting that Chiefs running back at the end of the second round. There's definitely that logic, but then there's the other side of the coin where it's like, man, he's never had 50, uh, more than 50 touches in a season. Um, you know, obviously the hamstring is an issue right now. So it's, it's going to be a high risk, high reward this season. For- let, let me, let me say this real quick. If you, if you are, if you're like, I mean, if you're like me, you're, you, you've already done hundreds of drafts, but if you're doing multiple drafts and you ignore the Kansas city backfield completely, you need to put down the drugs and start over. Like you, like there is no, there is no like someone in this backfield. Even even Carlos Hyde or Darwin Thompson, and you can make the argument there's a three man split. Darwin Thompson getting thirty percent of the snaps in the Kansas City Chiefs backfield in the eighteenth round is gold. Right. You know Carlos Hyde getting fifty percent of the snaps in the Kansas City backfield in the twelfth round is gold. Damian Williams getting seventy percent or more of the snaps. Even maybe like sixty-seven percent or more of the snaps, so two-thirds or more of the snaps in the second, third round is gold. Right. Like the team's going to score a ton of points, and the running back's going to be highly involved in the pass game. So, you know, I it's an unknown for sure. I'm willing to bet on Damian Williams, but teams I don't get Damian Williams on, which there are plenty, I you know I'll look to Hyde or I'll look to Darwin Thompson. I don't want to completely ignore this backfield. Most definitely, yeah. No, I think Carlos Hyde, Darwin Thompson definitely are guys that you got to look at uh, in the double-digit rounds because, you know, it, it takes one one more tweak to that hamstring for Damian Williams, and then you have yourself a lot of value there, um, and things will, like, kind of clear up in, in terms of uh, path to touches for these running backs. Because at the end of the day, the, the two most correlated statistics to running back success are snaps and weighted opportunity. Right. And weighted opportunity is just, you know, adjusting to scoring, whether it's PPR or half point PPR or standard for the value of a target compared to a carry. And these guys are going to be, you know, (laughs) they're going to have that and then they're going to have touchdown equity in the league's highest scoring offense. It's. I think the nice thing with Damian Williams, uh, if you're looking at him and carry on Johnson, both in that same range, is you're looking at the guys behind them where, you know, you're talking about snap percentages where you might get 67% for Damian Williams because uh, I don't think those guys behind him are going to take more than 30 or 35%. And so that's pretty realistic. You know, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be in that offense. They're going to be in the red zone a lot. So touchdown upside's there for sure. The thing that worries me with on Johnson is, you know, I actually kind of like that Detroit offense to bounce back a little bit. But it's definitely not as safe of a floor uh, when you're looking at the total offense 
And I think C.J. Anderson could easily take 40 to 45 to 50% of those snaps. And I actually am really high on C.J. Anderson going into this year. And you talked about LeGarrette Blount uh, being kind of that goal line threat where this year I think C.J. Anderson is going to step into that role. And that could hurt on Johnson quite a bit, even though he's a good receiving back. Given that their uh, ADPs are 2.10 and 3.02 respectively, I'll pay up just a little bit more for Damian Williams. Yeah, it's a good call. No, I think if you look at it like if both backs are healthy 100%, it's going to be carry-on that's not getting as much as a snap percentage, uh, snap counts. It's going to be – C.J. Anderson's definitely going to get work. And uh, you brought up Ty Johnson earlier, Elliot. Yeah, I think they like him over there. Um, they definitely do if they cut Theo Riddick because I think that's kind of the satellite back for them now is Ty Johnson. Uh, I don't know how much they're going to use him. That remains to be determined. But, look – by the midseason, if C.J. Anderson's playing well and they want to use Ty Johnson, it could be a big mess for Kerry. I mean, that's a realistic uh, outcome. So I don't see that necessarily. If Damian Williams is healthy and playing well, he's going to see most snaps because that's what Andy Reid likes to do. He likes to use one running back, uh, which is the complete opposite of what Matt Patricia wants to do with the Lions. The only thing that Carrion has over, for, you know, for himself is that he's so much more talented than the other two guys. So, like, if he just balls out, like, you know, he will – hopefully just not be able to get off the field because he's playing so well. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I, I think you guys bring up good points for Damian, would, Damian over Carrion. I would say that Damian Williams' ceiling is higher. Carrion Johnson's floor is higher. I think that's the perfect assessment. So, definitely when you're going into draft, that's probably what you want to go with right there is, you know, are you playing for the floor or are you playing for the ceiling? And like we always say, scare money, you don't make money. So, we're ceiling guys. Yeah, if you're if, no, if your second round pick better be a fucking ceiling play, <laughs> right? <laughs> so while I mean, you can get floor guys, right? If you're if you want if you want to get a floor guy, draft Lamar Miller in the seventh or eighth round, right? Exactly. Yeah, so while we're on the running backs here, I want to get your guy. So the one guy you're drafting doesn't matter what round, uh, whether you're just loving his value or whether you're reaching for him, doesn't matter. Who's your guy at the running back position this year? Tony Pollard. <laughs> wow <laughs> wasn't expecting that but i know I but it. you know i figured we'd have some fun right like i mean i could tell you, you know, right i'd say Barkley barkley's the guy i always take one on one yeah or I could, I could tell you i have a lot of damian williams um but there are two guys okay so tony pollard and chase edmonds are two of my highest owned running backs and unfortunately they they both really shot up in adp recently but um, when I look at late round running backs, what I look for is guys that can have a role regardless of an injury and an injury could catapult them. Right. So if we look at Edmonds, you know, we're looking at a guy who's the backup running back on a team that's probably going to lead the, the league in pace or plays if they have anything to say about it. I mean, they're talking about 85, 90 players. They're smoking crack if they think they're getting to that, but let's say 75 plays, you know, David Johnson will probably play 75% of the snaps, which leaves Edmonds with 25%. They really like him. They also plan on playing Johnson a lot in the slot this year. So Edmonds is going to be involved in that offense. And in the 15th, 16th, 17th round, you know, he's he's a guy that, especially in best ball, is going to have some weeks where he pops because he's going to be involved in a high-scoring offense. And that David Johnson injury is going to, you know, catapult him into a league-winning type player. Yeah, I think that standalone value with the upside of going into an expanded role is is what people want out of Daryl Henderson. And now we're seeing, like, on the depth chart, he's, like, real low for some reason. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if there's – you know, we should really look into that. 
Uh, but we'll, let's see how this preseason shakes out and what happens with Henderson. But, yeah, Tony Pollard is actually that guy because the way he's playing right now and the way they're using him in camp, first of all, he's taking first uh, team's team reps. So without Zeke, which it seems as if Zeke's going to miss time at this point. I mean, last week or two weeks ago when we recorded, I didn't think Zeke was going to miss time. Now I'm, I'm kind of thinking he might. Um, but so Tony Pollard is the starter in that case. But even when they bring Zeke back or if he starts week one, whatever, they want to use Tony Pollard. He, he's a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. And, uh, you know, they, they're running a kind of a different offense this year in, with the Cowboys. It's not going to be as stagnant and plain in, as in the past. Uh, they're going to do some creative things, more so than they ever have with Jason Garrett. I, I really see that coming this year. Um, so, yeah, Tony Pollard is a great play. And then, of course, Chase Edmonds, same situation. Yeah, one of the things I heard about Pollard, uh, actually our editor covers the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. So every day for like two months, I've asked him about Tony Pollard. <laughs> um, but one of the things he says is, you know, they're they're getting involved in the slot. Like even if Zeke's on the field, there's a chance he could be involved in that too. He's He has a chance to be the fourth wide receiver. And they're, they really like him. And they're going to get him involved in that pass-catching role. You know, the thing is now he's getting drafted, he's moving up the board because he's becoming a hot name. But – Three four weeks ago, no one cared about him. Uh, so he would. So I, I know those aren't exactly flashy running back guys that I'm taking a lot of, but you know I still think they have a lot of value at, at cost right now. This uh, is the hot take, man. So you could say anybody on here. Yeah, really. I mean, we've said some crazy stuff on here, so um, that's all good. No, and I appreciate that. And I think the big thing with the preseason and looking at these running backs like Chase Edmonds or Tony Pollard, and then lining up in the slot or maybe David Johnson in the slot it's not going to come up in the stat sheet. you got to really look at these games and look where they're lining up, how they're using these players. Because another guy like this that I think people aren't really talking about in this light is Jalen Samuels. Like Jalen Samuels is a name because we think, oh, well, it's going to be a running back by committee approach. It doesn't have to be for Jalen Samuels to have value. They're going to be missing, you know, Jesse James from last year. So they have Vance McDonald. Everyone's big on Vance McDonald. But what if they use Jalen Samuels in that tight end role, just like he did in college. You know, they like to use two tight ends. We already know that. What if they use Jalen Samuels in the slot? We're going to know that by preseason. And then you're talking about just standalone value for Samuels, right? And then what if something happens to Connor? You have an expanded role for Samuels that could really take off real quick. Yeah, I mean, Samuels, legit, his last two years in college football, led the led all of college football in plays of 15 or more yards. I mean, he's – he doesn't necessarily look like an explosive guy, but he is. He played wildcat quarterback. He played H-back. He played fullback, tight end, slot receiver, and running back. Right. Um, I mean, he's one of these guys that they can do anything with. I mean, quite frankly, if they need receiving help, they can play him in the slot. He might be Vance McDonald's backup. There's just so many different roles for him, and they said that they want to feature him in the pass game. And we, he can break down linebackers all day long. He's also an incredibly intelligent player. You know, he, he's one of those guys that – He's not the best athlete, but always knows the, kind of the right the right thing to do. And those guys tend to get on the football field. So, so, you know, he's an injury away from being a league guy, which is what we just talked about, and ha- will, should have a role regardless. So uh, he's another guy that I like trying to grab in that 10th round. Man, you're talking about Jalen Samuels, and don't sleep on Benny Snell either. He's another guy you can get the very last pick in your draft. A lot of places you're probably able to get him on your waiver wire uh, if you wanted to just stream him. But if something did happen to Connor – you know, you're looking at Snell gets a, a bump in his percentage of snaps. And then if they wanted to use Samuels in that 
uh, that type of role that's tight end position, they could throw him out there and Snell could be the guy in the backfield, even though right now he's looking like the third string guy. Uh, you're able to get him in the very last pick of your draft. He has a great upside too, I think. So, Elliot, you talked about your running backs. Talk to me about wide receiver. Who's your Who's your wide receiver this year that is your, is uh, your guy? So this guy's been <laughs> becoming more and more popular. Um, I, I, he's the highest on guy I have in best ball, and it's Curtis Samuel. Um, I, I really liked him in the ninth and tenth. Nice creeping in the eighth. I see in some expert drafts he's going in the sixth. Uh, I've said that he's going to outscore DJ Moore and that he's going to be a top 15 overall wide receiver this year. That's So I, I'm going to go bold with that. I think – I mean, this is a 4-3-1 guy. This is an elite athlete. He's become a really good route runner. We saw him get a ton of targets the second half of the season. Yeah. I think, you know, he's going to really take that next step. I think he's not of this past year, but two years ago, he's going to have a Tyreek Hill-like season. I think he's that kind of player and that kind of talent. I think he, with Cam Newton having less design runs, having the shoulder surgery, having his motion cleaned up, I really think it's going to help him out. And I think Curtis Samuel is going to take an absolutely massive step this year. Yeah, I mean, last season in the latter half of the year when he was healthy, he was outproducing DJ Moore. He was getting more targets, and he outproduced him for fantasy as well. He had 13 targets in the game, 11 targets in the game, and DJ Moore never touched double-digit targets last year. Granted, yeah, he, he was a rookie, so you got to give him that. But when you look at the ADPs, and Elliot, you're talking about some expert drafts where he's going in the sixth round, that's not happening in your regular leagues. No, it's not. Going in double-digit rounds every time. So, yeah, DJ Moore is going to go in the fifth or sixth. You can grab him, okay, but why not just get Curtis Samuel in those double-digit rounds? I think we've talked about before, uh, Blake, bunch of times here i mean curtis samuel is the guy i mean you gotta smash that in in the in double digit rounds yeah we have and you know we were talking about that uh, a couple weeks ago actually these two guys and it's almost a full four rounds difference in their adp right now but you bring up a good point where most of the people that have been drafting are these experts you know we're trying to get our value uh with some picks we talked about that in our best ball leagues where you're able to get such great value like how we got tyree kill in the fifth and sixth round you know, we thought that was great value where you're getting him as your wide receiver three, and he has the potential to be the wide receiver one overall if he stays healthy. Uh, and so we're looking at this with these two guys, and you're looking at your normal leagues. Yeah, he's probably not going to go in the ninth round where he's at right now. You might be able to get him in the 11th or 12th. That's great value. I can guarantee you that when I help my girlfriend with her her work draft that she will have Curtis Samuel on her team. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Yeah, and that, and you know, I was looking at Cam Newton the other day. Cam Newton is like Matt Ryan in that they finished as a top five guy or they finished as a QB two every year, every other year. So this is actually a big Cam Newton year because he finished as a QB thirteen last year. So now he's going to finish as a top five guy. So that's so much Cam is health too. When he's healthy, he's played great, and then when he's banged up, he's not anywhere close to the same player. And they said he looks as good as he's ever looked, and he feels as good as he's ever feel. Now, that doesn't mean that that's not coach speak, but I just think it's encouraging when he has off-season shoulder surgery and you see him throw the football and it looks fantastic and he looks like he has an improved motion and he's throwing the ball 60 yards. To me, that's a, that's a lot of positive signs that Cam's shoulder is doing well. 100%. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Cam Newton is also great value this year. He's going as like the QB 13 right now um, in drafts. So uh, grab Cam Newton up because that's ridiculous that he's slipping that far. Um, okay, before you get out of here, Elliot, your quarterback. Who's your guy this year? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ooh, I mean, I, I love Kyler Murray, but that one's probably too popular. Uh, I'll say Lamar Jackson. Nice. He's going too late. You know, any quarterback in NFL history that's ever had more than 700 rushing yards has finished as a top five quarterback. I think he's like QB 18 off the board right now. He's not going to get 20 rush attempts like he got last year, but 12 to 14 is probably a safe floor. And if they do pass more, he's going to have more scrambling opportunities. I mean, Josh Allen had five to one uh, more times uh, scrambling yards than Lamar Jackson did last year. They were mostly designed runs. So if he can get defenders with their backs to him and take off and have an open lane, that's how he's going to get 30 or 40 yard chunk plays. And he should score 10 rushing touchdowns this season, be highly involved on the ground. If he takes any one step forward as a passer, you know, we saw a guy that didn't score less than 16 points in a game last year. He's got 30 point upside, even if he's not a very good NFL quarterback. I think he's a steal as a QB2, at least on your team. I'm, I'm not comfortable taking him as my number one just in case something happens with him. I don't like running quarterbacks scare me a little bit, you know, as far as injury concerns if they get smashed 20 times a game. Uh, but, you know, the thing with, with Lamar Jackson is I, I've been watching some of this video of him. He is throwing the ball better. Uh, yeah. And like you said, it might be coach speak, but, you know, they said he's learning the playbook a lot better too. So, uh, he has a better understanding of what the defenses are doing. And now he brings in Hollywood Brown, so he's going to have a speed guy. He's still got Mark Andrews there. You know, I'm just loving his ceiling, and especially the ADP. Uh, it just seems like an absolute steal. Yeah, I mean, what if Lamar Jackson can throw? I mean, right, like, because he did it in college. Like, he, his deep ball is fine. Um, then that's what they did is they surrounded him with speed, and they have playmakers at the running back position too. Uh, so, yeah, Lamar – Jackson's ceiling is ridiculous, especially when you'd say he's going to probably rush for 800 to 1,000 rushing yards. So even if he can't throw, you, you know, he's probably a back-end QB1. But what if he can? <laughs> you know, then you're talking about he's maybe close to a top-five guy. That's in his realm of possibilities. So, I mean, you know, when you draft a quarterback, you want to draft for the ceiling, um, you know, especially if you're going in the late rounds. Why not get a guy who you think has top-five upside? Lamar Jackson has top five upside. Yeah, I mean, I think with Lamar Jackson, too, is that, you know, he's basically an RB2 that's going to throw the ball 20 to 30 times a game. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to like he's going to. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I get it. You don't want to go fragile with Lamar Jackson. You definitely want to make sure you have another quarterback. I mean, I think pairing him with Dak Prescott is incredibly smart. I mean, we're talking about a QB1 three straight years. Uh, never been the QB one overall any week in his career, but his rushing um, floor, his you know, he scored six rushing touchdowns three straight years. He's, like we talked about earlier, he's going to be in a more friendly offense. I think Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson makes a ton of sense as a floor ceiling combo. I love it, Elliot Chris TQE. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, bro. Absolutely, you can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Chris E L I. I-O-T-C-R-I-S-T, and all my work at thequanish.com. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on to the show. Uh, on behalf of Blake Sullivan, Elliot, Chris, my name is Steven Taroni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast.